Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. Yeah! As usual, we're pretty fired up because we have an awesome show tonight. I know we winners, always say winners. this, but this doesn't get any better. <laughs> I know. We got the Sebring winner and we got the Daytona 200 Just the winner. two biggest events. I mean, it, you know, if Ryan Newman calls in, we'd be really lucky. But, I, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. But <laughs> hey, You never know. We haven't tried. Hey, wait a minute. No hey, Fernando no. Alonso, Who's if you're listening, number? tune in and tell us how you feel. Yeah. Who's got his number? <laughs> All righty. Well, guys, uh, let me run down what we got on the show, because obviously we've got uh, Jordan Taylor, who's going to join us live. He's the Sebring 24-hour winner. And as they've been saying on the internets, uh, the Florida 36-hour winner. So <laughs> one, one Daytona as well. I love that. And we're going to have, we had a bunch of stories from the, uh, from the 12 hours of Sebring, because uh, the Cadillacs did well. Corvettes did well battling the four GTs. And then we also have Danny Eslick, the Daytona 200 winner. Which is equally a two-wheel uh, an amazing story. I mean, if if what Cadillac are doing, and they are unbeaten now, uh, so far this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, the, it's a long way until they get here, but uh, this is turning out to be one heck of a season for Cadillac. And in, in the case of uh, Danny Eslick, it just gets better and better. I mean, the guy's a legend. Hey, I mean, he brilliant. is 10,000% better than where he placed last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a de- definitely a better space. <laughs> he is. He is. Congrats, Danny. Yeah, so we got both those guys on, and that's going to be a blast. And we're going to talk a lot about the IMSA racing. Did you get any of you guys watch Goodwood this morning? I did not. I was uh, wrapping, up, wrapping up on the uh, Sebring 12, and uh, there's some Porsche news there. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've got some Porsche news to talk about in the IMSA series Very and Continental Tire series, actually. Somebody turned the Apple cart upside down on the Porsche. Yeah, Porsches. you got to hear this story. It'll be later in the show, but uh, it's a very, very interesting story. Porsche should have won Sebring, too, but they didn't. Yeah, yeah. That pit stop killed them. Hey, so Jonathan uh, Goodwood, it looked miserable, cold, and just horrible. Like England? It's called England, yeah. <laughs> Goodwood is in England. I know. Which bit I'm... didn't you get? <laughs> that's what I was going to Go to the Monterey, uh, you know. It was on uh, Motor Trend On Demand. They, yeah. also, they also were playing it on Periscope on their... Oh, really? Uh, live on Twitter on their uh, on the See, Goodwood There, uh, there was Twitter quite account. a bit going on this weekend. That's cool. I'm ready for the season to kick off. Goodwood is cool, though. Yeah, uh, it's very cool. But um, well, no, it can, can be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It looked miserable. They had fires going and everything. Lots of champagne flowing to keep oh, warm. Yes. Well, it, one, one does it right. <laughs> I forget who it was with the new Lamborghini that smacked a wall. But you know, it was some celebrity that in some loner Lambo. Oh, great, a loner Lambo. Nothing better to crash that than a celebrity. <laughs> All right, hey guys, I want to talk Formula One because okay. we are now one week out. One week out, and. I mean, look, everything's changed. It's an unbelievable change from last year. We got Bernie's out. Uh, we have a Formula One champion that's not returning. First time since what? Alan I know, there's a lot of water gun under that Formula One bridge since, oh, yeah. uh, exactly. since they were here in Austin. Yeah, massive rule changes. 
But there's a, there's some really good stories. So, I mean, I'm ready for the talk to end and the racing to start, as you put it earlier, Jonathan. Yeah, I think that's true. Like I said, we looked at the testing times from Barcelona. I don't think you can read too much into that. And it's always the case that really uh, you get to Albert Park and you just don't know because Australia is always a different scene. And it's also a bit of a gamble because you've got a new car, you've tested it in one circumstance, which is Barcelona or, you know, in Europe, and then you take it right across to Australia and then you've got to go around Asia for three more rounds. And so the next variation, if you like, is probably Spain. Now, now with modern technology, you can adjust the car on the fly from your headquarters in England. But not um, during a race. But not during a race. Yeah. <laughs> and and really, there's not a lot you can do in terms of if if you haven't got, if you've got a design fault now, yeah, uh, or the FIA don't like the, the you know the, the the what you've come to play with, which is another factor. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. You know, it, it can change the season very dramatically in a good way and a bad way. Well, okay. Well, remember back in the years, I think it was, uh, I don't know, like '90s, where they built in a spoiler and designed flex in it to improve while it was at <laughs> speed, and that it would improve that's the situation. Right, yeah. And it was, you know, talk about crazy engineering. That was really interesting the way they did it because you come in you go through scrutiny and it it meets but it came out that it's they people were seeing this wing change at speed (laughs) and it was building into the design yeah Yeah, that's another thing super slow-mo now in both cars and bikes is really good because you can't miss (laughs) anything now we just see butterflies flying yeah 300 Uh frames a second or whatever that is not how you break the rules it's how you use them Uh uh-huh all right, so what about, the, I mean, obviously the big one is, is anybody going to break the stranglehold of Mercedes? I mean, uh, that one thing that came to my mind is that if anybody had a shot at it, it might be Red Bull. I mean, the, the rule changes are very aero-centric, uh, and you've got yeah. Adrian Newey, the best in the business. So no, no, you're absolutely right, and, and this is where he comes into his own, absolutely. And if Red Bull are going to start fighting back, uh, because they haven't in the last few years, if you remember, it's easy how quickly you can forget. But uh, two years ago, uh, Red Bull had had enough of Renault, and now, of course, at the end of the last season, Renault were, were Renault engines anyway were winning, um, so, or at least uh, getting up there again. So aren't they Tag Heuer's? Exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, they're Renaults. But yeah, you can call you, you can tag them what you like. <laughs> you it's still a Renault engine, and of course, Renault themselves are a works team, and that is a big factor because the one thing that Renault will want to do and I think that's the difference between um, when you get a, a you know a manufacturer engine like a Ferrari or a Mercedes if you're not the factory team then you don't get the good stuff and you don't get the development but if you are a works team which Renault are now and they've just been a supplier up until now in this particular period they used to be um, you know a works team but now uh, they're back in if you like in play uh, as Renault Formula One and I think that's going to be a big factor in terms of I, I do expect both Red Bull to gain from that and Renault to gain from that, and I hope that they do take the right the fight to Mercedes. Hey, you know, I, I think they are the best team to do it. For one, a lot of what's done is aerodynamic. There's there's nobody that can argue that Dr. Newey isn't the man to go to. But we've talked tire width changes. We've talked about uh, end plate changes. We've talked about wing changes, the nose changes. The chin has changed on the car as well. It's, you know, hard to say that it's even going to look like last year's car. But what I love, again, are the the extra wider tires now. And we've got that going on. And uh, it kind of goes back to the to the late 70s of the big, beefy tires and uh, retro. I just need that big, giant snorkel like the old Black Shadow had <laughs> of, of <laughs> yeah, that era. 
Well, will Ferrari come forward too? Because they're the other team, obviously, and the other engine. Um, and I think um, there are certainly signs from Barcelona, although everybody's saying that nobody was sandbagging, but no one really knows. Uh, yeah. But I do think that Ferrari have come forward. Raikkonen stepped up. Vettel needs a good season. Both those guys are due to really, if they're, you know, you've got to look at the three guys, Vettel, Alonso, and um, uh, uh <laughs> Raikkonen as being three guys oh. who've been world champions and who really won a big season. The Ferrari should give the first two a, a good season. Alonso, that's the question mark. What is Alonso going to do? Yeah. And how long will McLaren put up with an unserving Honda? That's the other big story for me. And it could prove to be the biggest story. Already rumours that uh, McLaren might be looking to Honda uh, as a, p- a potential replacement. But uh, my, my big question is how long can what I think is our best driver in the world, Alonso, stay with an uncompetitive drive? Yeah, how long is he going to put up with it? Yep. Yeah. All right, one last question before we go to break. What about Haas? We had 28 points last year. What do you think? Um, I think it's going to be hard to repeat that. I think it was amazing what they pulled off, especially this time last year at Albert Park. And we were there at the Circuit of the Americas yeah. cheering with the other 500 people. It was brilliant fun. Um, I think it, I think there's two think ways of looking at it. I think it's always harder to repeat what was a sensational um, you know, start. They did get a lot of help and they did two years of development going into that. Um, but they, if anything's going to help them, it is new rules. And they've had exactly the same time as everybody else. I'm going to argue. I'm going to argue against that. That's I not don't, like you, Les. Well, <laughs> okay. I, I don't think the new rules are going to help them, and this is why. I, I, you know, Gunther's a great guy. All of the team has a great intellect around them, but there's a lot of changes. Before now, they were building on data they had. Yes, they collected some some rather anemic data from you know another team they bought, but this is all different. So they can't even go back on the same chassis and talk about the differences. They haven't experienced it with this combination that's out this year. So uh, I'm going to hold back a little, be a little more conservative and say they're probably not going to get quite as many points this year. I think, yeah, I think to be honest, I'm, I, I, yeah, I, I see that. I really do. Well, guess what, boys? You don't have to worry about it because in about five days, you're going to start seeing them testing and in a, in a week, we'll know the answers. Okay. At least some of them. All right, guys. Well, let's go ahead and take a break because when we come back, we have the Daytona 200 winner. Yeah, baby. Danny Eslick is going to join us. So stick with us after the break. Listen to Speed City live from Austin. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Ambi Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MB Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MB Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. 
to Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Here, when you need us, Talk 1370 is the right choice. Riding along in my automobile, my baby beside me at the wheel. Hi, my name is Colette Davis, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. No particular place to go. Chuck Berry, rest in peace. There you go, the rocker. The rocker. Well, we got are... the Chuck Berry at two wheels right now, baby. <laughs> I was like, we got another rocker. We are very excited because this gentleman has, uh, I think this is the third time, and we'll go into all the details. He's won the Daytona 200, but we want to welcome Danny Eslick to Speed City. Welcome back to the show, Danny. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. We're live on Facebook. We're going to stand up and applaud you, my friend. We are standing up in the studio live on Facebook because, wow, man, the first man in history to win on three different manufacturers. No Kenny Roberts, no Scott Russell has ever done that. You did it, my friend. Oh, that's pretty pretty amazing. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, I don't even know if it's set in yet. Uh, it's it's pretty incredible. We had a, a great weekend, and, you know, obviously to come back and uh, win it after, uh, you know, the incident last year, is, uh, you know, just, just couldn't ask for a better weekend and a better way to come back and, uh, you know, Put that stamp in the books and uh, and get that victory. I mean, there was. Uh, I wish I would have had a little better battle with with Barney there at the end. Uh, you know, he was fast all week and he really put the whooping on us in qualifying and and he was definitely a serious player in the in the race. And you know, unfortunately, I think they had a little bit of problems in the pits and uh, he cramped up or whatever happened. And and uh, you know, Corey West was up in there and Kyle Wyman and it was. You know, we had a good battle all the way to the checkered flag. I was going to so say nobody would for a better race. Nobody was cutting you any slack at all, and I don't blame them. I mean, you don't, you just can't give it to Danny here. Danny, no. you know, it's a, uh, it just amazes me. I mean, what you've accomplished. To be serious about well, it. Th- thank you, thank you. That means a lot. And uh, you know, they, nobody was cutting me any slack. I mean, um, you know, right from the get go, there's uh, there was a lot of other guys. You know, besides Barney and and uh, Corey West. I mean, there's Valentine DeBeast and uh, uh, Kyle Wyman. I mean, he. he Whenever he passed me, I remember we were in the first stint somewhere, and he came by. I was like, "Man, where did he come from?" I didn't realize he was even in the group with us, but it was good to see uh, good to see Wyman up in there mixing it up for the lead until they had some issues, I think, in the in the pits as well. You know, which you know it just goes to you know goes to show you how how hard my crew worked. The TOBC Yamaha guys worked their butts off. We signed up for some of the club races, um, you know, before the 200, and we used it as pit stop practice. We were you know, we didn't complete a single lap across the, the start-finish line. We were, you know, we did the start of the race, and then we came into the pits, you know, came in hot like we practiced for, uh, you know, we're practicing for the race, and it was, you know, it really paid off. I mean, it, it paid off tremendously in the pits. My guys absolutely did a flawless job, and you can't really win them in the pits, but you can sure lose it in the pits. Yeah, that is so true. And and, and for those of you who don't know, TOBC Racing, of course, racing currently in Moto America, and they will be again with Danny this year. But it is the little team that can. It's fantastic yeah. what you guys achieved together. And, and what you've done at the Daytona 200 is, is just sen- I'm gonna sensational. I'm going to say Danny has no excuse for ever being late again. Three Rolex Daytonas. Watches. <laughs> <laughs> he hey, yeah, no listen, excuses. Danny, that third four. wrist of yours. If, oh, wait. If, four? Four. Four. Oh man. Okay, yeah, so the, the, I got one. I got one for uh, for qualifying on pole, and then 
after that, they switched it to just giving it to the race winner. So I decided I'd just start winning them. Well, listen, I'd hate to see you weighed down at the test here. So if you want to bring an extra one, I'm, I'll happily wear it. And I'll tell everybody whose who's it is. Don't worry. <laughs> it looked good with the microphone, I think. I think it would. Listen, i got to ask you, though, because we've got Jordan Taylor coming on, who, who knows a fair thing about uh, racing around Daytona himself. But that's in a big car. Tell me about the last lap. And also tell me tactically, because I've watched you at the 200, and I've been there myself, and I've actually walked up that banking. Thank, thankfully, I've never ridden it, because I, I, it would scare the bejeebas out of me but um just give me an idea what it's like on a motorcycle and how you kind of go about the plan because you and Corey were going at it so what how do you go about what you're going to do because you only get one run at it yeah i mean well you know the good thing is we had 57 laps to kind of to size each other up and and you know i've uh it's not my first rodeo it's not bonnie's <laughs> or, or Corey's first rodeo around that place but it was you know, I definitely had sized him up, you know, after the last pit stops and when he caught me, it was, it was a matter of, you know, working on the draft. Like you got to sit back coming up, leading up to the chicane. You want to leave enough of a gap to, to, you know, have that big air pocket and, you know, you got to wait until the right time to really pull the trigger and, uh, you know, and let the throttle eat and, and you got to time it just right. If you pull out too soon and you go by them too early, then that gives them a chance to, to draft back by you and and so it was a matter of, of setting him up and I knew that I had I knew I had the draft set up right and then he actually threw a big curveball at me the the last lap I think from what he had done on on trying to size me up he knew he couldn't out draft me to the line so he tried to go for it and lead out of chicane which is nearly impossible but he stayed way high on the banking usually you make it about halfway through NASCAR three and four and start bringing it low on the banking and he kept it up on the wall damn near scraping the, the paint off the bodywork <laughs> on the outside wall all the way around the NASCAR 4, and then he made his big dive down. And, you know, I think maybe it was a little a little too aggressive of a move uh, and kind of killed his RPM. And, and I did the slingshot move and just stayed up against the wall on the outside. And and he tucked back into my draft, and he nearly, he nearly had the run on me. I mean, if it had been, you know, the finish line was another couple hundred yards down, he may have had enough time to, to draft back by me, but... You know the TOBC Racing uh, R6 motor was strong, and and uh, he didn't quite have enough to to draft back by me. So, you know, I, I guess I timed it just right, and uh, obviously with the help of the crew and their awesome pit stops, we were able to to pull that one out. I love the way you describe oh, was, it. Yeah. <laughs> you forgot the bit about your gonads dragging on the edge of the wall because <laughs> I'm sorry, my friend, but you just described what just very few people would even attempt, never mind talk about so casually as you do. But I love the, the fact that it's just normal normal day at the office for you. Oh, uh, it, uh, it was really cool. I mean, I think we were the only team. Uh, this race is one of the only ones we can run a two-way radio. You know, all the car guys are used to that. That's something, in, you know, every day in, the, in their job of, of car racing. But for us, that's the only race we can run a two-way radio with the team, and and I guess the team was a, uh, a little surprised at how much I talked. I mean, it was uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny there. After the last pit stop, me and Corey were going going really hard, and you know I'm one. I'm pretty pretty comfortable, and and I look around and I'm you know waving at the fans and hanging out and talking to my guys on the radio. And uh, Corey finally looked over, and we had one of those two or three seconds locked eyes going around the banking at a hundred and you know sixty five hundred seventy mile an hour, and. You know, so I radioed to the guys. I said, he finally looked over and acknowledged at me that we're having an awesome ride on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. And I think they, uh, <laughs> they were getting a kick out of that. <laughs> oh, that's cool. And but, guys, order me a pizza. It's going to be Michelle, Michelle would not have had the headphones I, on. 
<laughs> well, the one thing we we didn't really discuss um, was if I was coming in on one or, or we actually got an inboard, and they said, they said, you're coming with whenever it says in. I said, well, it'd be even better if it said out after that. Go for it. Go in and out burger, in and out <laughs> Brought to you by. <laughs> yeah, nice plug. Now, listen, looking about the season ahead, um, you've had a great relationship with TOBC. Is that continuing this year? Are you coming to the test? Are, are we going to take yeah. you out for a celebratory beer? What's happening? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I mean, first things first, we're going. Uh, I'm going to do a bunch of dirt tracking this year. All the non-conflicting rounds uh, with Moto America, I'm going to go ride the American Flat Track Series oh, right. on the cool. Harley Davidson of Staten Island. So we've got a race in Woodstock, Georgia this coming weekend, and then uh, then we'll go down to the test at Austin, and and you know then we get the you know the Moto America season kicked off there at Austin. Uh, you know here in a couple weeks. Anything different yeah. for this year? Uh, pretty much the same thing. The rules have changed a little bit to where we're allowed you know some different uh, I guess different clamps, and we can run uh, some different linkages on the swing arm. Um, for the shock, and so that's that's really the only big difference for for the bike um, as far as that's concerned. But uh, as with the team and everybody involved, we have all the same key players, and uh, got my the same crew chief Frank Aragaki, electronics guys James Lickwar that we've been working with, and you know Scott Harwell is pretty much uh, heading the program as team manager, and then obviously Michelle Lindsay's, uh, you know. The, the the queen of the whole operation and, and makes all the shots. So, you know, it's an awesome group of people that I get to work with and, and for them to stick with me is, is you know, incredible. And to be able to repay them with a day, another day to a 200 victory is, uh, you know, feels really good. Yeah, but you're also fulfilling that dream, man. Don't, man, don't forget that because uh, they're, they're the team that uh, never thought they could and uh, you've brought them everything they wanted. So uh, it's such a great relationship and I hope it continues. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I've really enjoyed racing for uh, for Michelle and and being a part of her program. It's uh, you know, it's a really cool story with with how everything's happened and and how she's taken over the team. And you know, it's uh, you know, it's definitely tough. It's a uh, racing's an expensive sport, and you know, as every race team is, we're trying to find the money to to really make it through the year and and be able to put the money where we need and. And you know, have the best equipment that that we can get out there, and and just do the best that we can. All right, Danny, I got to jump back to the topic. We kind of blew by it. The two-way radio communications. I've always <laughs> loved that. You know, I love hearing the NASCAR guys chatter at each other. But uh, give us a give us some insight. Why don't you do that in the headline races? Uh, as far as I know, it's not allowed, or it hasn't been in the past. So, you know, it's. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I don't know what the reasoning is behind it, but it's. It, I think it's a really good thing on a safety note. There was a, a crash in the 200, and you know I radioed to my guys and said, "Hey, I think there's some oil down, uh, you know, where the crash happened," and they were able to relay that to one of the officials. You know, so even if it was something where we were able to, to radio to the officials, or the officials were able to radio to you know somebody that's leaking oil or or you know parts hanging off their bike, you know, because sometimes people will maybe not see the flag or act like they don't see a flag and either leak oil all over the racetrack or end up crashing and causing big delays. So I think it could be something to look into from the safety side for, uh, for the motorcycle thing. And, and me personally, I'm, you know, it, whenever you're having issues with the bike or, you know, trying to make changes, um, for me, you can radio in and, and when it happens and you, you know, can tell them, but if you don't have the radio, sometimes you, you know, take a cool down lap and you come in and, you know, whatever just happened, you'd forgotten about. So I, I liked it on the setup side of it. You can radio and say, hey, the bike's doing this, or it's not working here, or, 
right? or whatever. So, so I liked it on the setup side to be able to radio to them. And then they can also prepare, you know, they can start getting prepared for a change before ever getting the pit. So it makes our pit stop, you know, not that it's a matter of getting in and out of the pits during the race, but for qualifying and practice and things like that, they can be a little more set up and have, uh, whether it be a, you know, a spring change or, or whatever for the, the shock or the forks, they can have that stuff sitting out and ready to go. Um, whenever I get in the pits and that gets us, you know, obviously back on the track faster and gets us more track time. I'm thinking from the entertainment value. Think back in the day, Kevin Schwantz, Wayne Rainey, what if they could actually hear each other while they were out there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was two years ago we had the radio and it worked awesome all weekend long, practice qualifying. And I guess it was after one of the pit stops, something, one of the cords got messed up. And the team could hear me, but I couldn't hear them back. So they heard a lot, a lot of choice uh, words coming out of my mouth. I tell you what, if you're interested, Danny, we're doing the track commentary at Coda for for the Moto America race. So feel free if you want to buzz buzz into us. Uh, You know, have a Alan Ascar. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a comm system. I'm going to go put it on. The NASCAR commentary is pretty good when you listen to their, uh, you know, they're unedited uh, where, where you can really hear what they're saying. It's uh, pretty comical. I'm going to take a comm system down and bolt it up, and I'm going to hide the cell phone on the bike, and we're going to get real entertainment. <laughs> F- hey, finally, I'll my phone up in there. We'll, we'll, I'll talk to you guys. Hey, finally, Danny, one serious question. Watching what you've done with Dirt Trike now, and obviously Daytona, you're continuing it in Moto America, AMA, etc. What about some of the other iconic races, Suzuka, maybe Isle of Man or anything like that? Would you be interested in kind of just giving that a go one time? <laughs> Yeah, um, I actually had it set up to try to do the Isle of Man this year, but with the schedule that we have and the, the amount of time it takes to go do the Isle of Man, it wasn't possible. Um, but, yeah, I was in uh, in contact with, with the folks from the Isle of Man, and they were ready to put me on a plane and get over there and start driving a car around and riding a street bike around a little bit and, and trying to do it. Um, you know, it's obviously something you're not going to go and win the first year. It takes you know, the guys that are, you know, Rudder and Dunlop and, and uh, the top guys have been doing it for years. Yeah, you'll years, need a real, be, re, a real beer belly before you can get McGinnis. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a fact. I got a ways to go before I get there. But I, I think it'd be, I think it'd be really awesome to to be able to do Suzuki eight hours. Um, I'm a big fan of the, the endurance racing, and you know that's obviously an eight hour sprint race, not so much an endurance race. But you know, I, I'd love to be able to get on a you know one of the, the better teams and. And give that a go because I think it would be a you know I know it's usually really hot and pretty miserable as a rider but you know I like those conditions and it uh, makes you dig deep and and find out where you came from for sure. Well, Danny, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Best of luck. Congratulations! It was amazing to see you do that, and uh, we look forward to seeing you around the next week. Co- next week at Coda, and, and oh, that's right. And uh, we wish you the best of luck. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing you guys down there next week. And uh, thanks again for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure. All right, thanks for calling safe, in, Danny. Buddy. Congratulations. Talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break, guys, because when we come back, we are going to have the Sebring 12-hour winner, Jordan Taylor, with us here on Speed City. Listen to us live from Austin. Back after these messages. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. 
founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself. Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envy Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envy Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Talk 1370. The right choice. Hi there, my name's Derek Bell. This is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. He's watching his son today. Yeah, he Derek was. Derek Bell's son, yeah, that's right. Three generations, wasn't it? Or was it two? Two. <laughs> Three bells, but yeah. Three bells, but only two. That's to, a two pub to. I know in England. <laughs> you know them all. I do. <laughs> all right, guys, we are excited because we have, once again, one of the Taylor brothers. They seem to be... Dominating the sport in IMSA. And, I think we've proven you have to Taylor. come on Speed City to get to the podium. I think that's exactly right. It's the Speed City. What's the opposite of a curse? It's the... <laughs> Favor. There you go. <laughs> blessing. The, the blessing. All there right. There you go. Here we go. Let's, let's welcome Jordan Taylor back to Speed City. Jordan, I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. I think another standing up. We're standing up and li- we're Facebook living as well, up. so we, we wanted to stand up. Dude, what a start to the year. I know it's, it's hard to believe. The only one I was missing was the the Bushnell go karting twenty four hour. Wow, That's the only race we've lost so far. God, well, and if you not said anything, probably no one would know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I know. There you go, yeah, out of yourself. Yeah, it has been a great start. Yeah, I mean Daytona, Sebring, you know the the two biggest races of the year for us. You know on American soil, um, you know emulating my dad's win in '96. He won the Rolex and Sebring the same year, so. That's right. Incredible to do yeah, I know. I, I think it was uh, one of the reporters was saying you were probably about five or six years old then, right? Yeah, I was five, and I think I was there. I don't remember, but I think there were some pictures of me in the podium area. So it's, <laughs> uh, it's pretty crazy to think that, you know, Ricky and I are doing it now, and, and my dad's still there with us. That's good. I was going to say that is, I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't care who you are. Family dynamic is different. And I mean, I know you're all professionals. And, and like I said, he's been there, done that, got the T-shirt. He's seen it all before. So obviously the relationship works. But it is hard because it is family. Have you ever been in a situation where it's like, you know, you have to take the hat off and go, that's my dad. But actually, no, that's my team boss uh, as well. I mean, is, mm. does that ever come into the equation? Yeah, I'd, I'd say we probably get into more arguments at the racetrack just because, <laughs> you know, we are, we're all passionate about it, about racing. And my dad's obviously been involved with it his entire life. And now that he's been out of the car, he's, he's obviously the team owner and Ricky and I are the drivers. So he still puts in a lot of the driver input. And we often get into big arguments over, you know, difference of opinion and, and things like that and trying to explain to him how things have maybe changed. 
he was driving 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, Good luck with that one. It, yeah. It is It is difficult at times, but, you know, at the same time, it's good to have someone that you can trust. And, you know, we know that, you know, after the weekend, we'll, we'll be seeing him at the dinner table. You know, I, I'm just, I'm having dinner with them right now. I just walked outside to do. It's, it's like time. a racing version of Blue Bloods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for There's taking no time out of your dinner, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got to ask, you know, I didn't see all 12 hours. I mean, I'll say I saw yeah. quite a portion of it between you know yesterday and early this morning. It seemed fairly uneventful for you guys. Uneventful? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it <laughs> didn't seem you had yeah. nearly as many issues as well, quite a few others did. Maybe compared to Daytona. That's about <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a flawless race. I mean, Daytona and Sebring were flawless uh, for our car. I mean, 36 hours... Um, we never came to the pits for something other than fuel and tires. We did one nose change, which was just for an aero change. Um, but other than that, it was, it was, it was super clean. It was probably one of the hardest 12 hours we've had. The, the track conditions were oh, it's super just abusive. tricky in the, in the middle of the day with the heat. Um, and now with the cars and the NGDD having ABS, it makes it a lot tougher in traffic. So guys do not want to give an inch and that makes it difficult for 12 hours to, to stay out of trouble. And I think. You know, Ricky and Alex did a great job. I don't think there was a scratch on the car from, from the whole race, and I don't think a lot of guys can say that. Yeah, so, by the way, you come back to that nose change. It was purely uh, an aero change. There's there's no there's no adjustments on there. you got to change the nose to do that? Yeah, well, you, you could you could make the adjustment um, just taking the wickers on and off or, or a diaphragm on and off, but it's much faster to have a spare nose with the different settings already plugged on it, and then all you have to do is take two latches off, and two little cranks, and it's a nose change within about 10 seconds. So that's a much more efficient way of doing it than, you know, unscrewing the wickers and, and putting new ones on. That makes sense. But you also mentioned how the GTD cars have uh, anti-locks. But I know that some of the cars, uh, some of the other classes that are slower, are, are not so much slower in the corners and things like that. Can you talk about how that, uh, you know, obviously that along with the braking affects you guys? Yeah, it is tricky. Um, I mean, LMPC cars are very close to us on top speed, and in, in high-speed corners, it's a lightweight car with a lot of downforce. Um, GTLM has Michelin tires and a lot of mechanical grip, so when you get into low-speed corners like like the hair, hairpin or turn 10 at, at Sebring, you know, rolling across the middle of the corner, their minimum speed is actually higher than us, so if you go in behind them, they'll actually gap a little bit through the middle and sometimes tower down to speed the traction a bit better. So it's difficult to race that way. And at Daytona, it was a bit better when we had a, a better separation with more power. But when we went to Sebring, we had a big restrictor uh, with the BOP changes. So it made it much more difficult to kind of clear guys before break zone. So now hmm. it's kind of forcing us to take a lot more risk to get by guys, you know, late in the break zone because we don't have that, straight line speed advantage to clear them well obviously the cadillac has with cadillac one two three on the podium podium has uh has got the formula right it the car looks amazing and obviously is performing incredible are you guys just ecstatic to be to be driving those yeah it, like you said it's been an, an unbelievable start uh it's extremely difficult to come in with a new car straight into a 24 hour and then a 12 hour um hmm. Not many people can say they've, they've done that, you know, with two flawless runs. We, I mean, the car has run flawlessly for 36 hours. We did, we did a lot of testing in the off season. Uh, we were the first car, first people to have a DPI, um, with Cadillac back in September last year. So we had thousands of miles on the car. The 
before we got to Daytona and, and some of the other manufacturers showed up the the test of Daytona, you know, to shake down their car. So we did our homework, Delara, Cadillac, ECR, <laughs> everyone did their homework and we came into the season prepared. And I think these first two races were, you know, the Sebring especially was one on reliability. Rebellion was, was out front for the whole first since. And then they had their issues. JDC had their issues. Extreme Speed had their issues. And, you know, it was just the Cadillacs ended up on the podium because, you know, we didn't, we didn't have any mistakes. And just give us an idea of what this means to Cadillac, because we know you and your family have been involved in different manufacturers over the years. Um, but, I mean, for those that don't know racing, they look at Cadillac and they think, well, you know, what, what, are, the, what are they doing racing? So what, what is the ethos behind this? And what does it mean that they're, they're achieving so, so quickly, uh, you know, at the forefront against literally guys that have been doing this for a lot longer? Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, it's it's probably a lot better than anyone expected. Um, it's it's their first year back in prototype racing since you know in 15 years back when my dad ran the old prototype program. So they've been running well in the World Challenge Series, um, winning a lot of championships there. But coming into prototypes was a huge unknown. But the whole marketing and brand side of Cadillac is going more to this aggressive side and you know going out after a younger market. And I think the aggressive side and of a prototype fits their new their new marketing side so i think the car is absolutely beautiful and you know with the speed and, and downforce and aero the way it looks the way it sounds with a 6.2 liter v8 you know it's, it's a very attractive car that, that fits the fits the brand i cannot wait to hear that 6.2 liter when it comes to austin but i, I want to address something you said jonathan you know cadillac with the v series hmm. i think all manufacturers need to pay attention here make a super cool fast car as your halo car you know, it started with the CTSV. They just had right. one, and now they've got the ATSV, and, and they've even done some of the other uh, cars in the V series. Back to the what was the little uh, two-seater convertible? They did. Oh that. yeah, the XLR. The XLR that had like a, a four a four point six supercharged North Star. Exactly. With four hundred and seventy-five. On, a, on what was essentially a Corvette chassis. Yeah, that's right. It was a Corvette chassis. So yeah, I think. But Jordan, I think what. What you and Jonathan were just talking about, I think that this is exactly what Corvette needs, and I think, I mean, what Cadillac needs, and uh, and I think this is achieving the goal for them. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, to come out, you know, in front of you know the world of motorsport on the biggest stage, you know, Daytona with the Rolex Twenty Four is kind of kicks off motorsport worldwide. You know, NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, we get drivers and teams from all 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 over the globe, and to come out at that event with such an unbelievable run. You know, not just with, with speed, but with durability and really domination of the event was a great way to start the program. Well, let's look forward a little bit. So, you guys, obviously, you're dominating now. Are, are you are you thinking that uh, set up for the different tracks? Are you talking about any changes? What are what's the put us in the in the meetings of you guys at, at the you know at at uh, Cadillac with you guys and and uh, Wayne Taylor Racing. Yeah, well, I mean, leading in, into Daytona, all of our testing was basically durability testing, so there was no real performance testing. Um, and then once we got through Daytona, um, we knew the car was quick, and we went to the Sebring test, and that's when we first started to actually work on the car, um, set up tables, seeing what it liked, what made it quick. Um, and that kind of helped us win Sebring. The car needed to be fast to win that race. So we, we've got a good feeling for the car now. Um, you know, Ricky and myself got a, a much better understanding of what it takes from a driving style point of view and the engineers got an idea of, you know, what it takes from a setup point of view. So I think going to Long Beach, it is a bit of an unknown, but there's some things you can kind of 
relate to Sebring with the bumps um, and the harshness of the track. So we can take some stuff that we learned from Sebring, but I think there'll still be a lot to learn, uh, not just for us, but I think for everyone going there with all these new cars. But we've had uh, a lot of good successes at Long Beach. We've won there the past two years, and it's usually a one, maybe two stop race, and it's a lot. A lot comes down to the pit stops, and like in Sebring, our, our guys were making great stops all through the race and making us positions. So I think that bode, bodes well for us. Awesome. So um, let's talk about coming to Austin. I mean, I know we talked about this maybe the last time you were here, but since we're here in Austin, we got to talk about our favorite race. And what are you expecting to now that you've had two races, 36 hours in that car, not necessarily yourself, the team. <laughs> but what do you uh, what do you think about Austin and Circuit of the Americas? It's an unbelievable track, great city, great atmosphere. It always draws a great crowd with the city right there. Um, and from a driving point of view, is mainly what I care about is, is the track is a lot of fun. Uh, it's very technical, um, so for a driver, it's very rewarding when you can put a lap together. And I think going there with our new Cadillac, you know, we, we went there on the DP and it was it was quick and it was fun. But I think with the new car, it'll make that whole first section with the S's a lot more fun. Uh, the long carousel at the end of the at the end of the lap should be really quick. So. I think it'll be a lot, a lot, a lot different for us as drivers, and hopefully a little bit more exciting for the fans as well. And a quick look ahead to Long Beach. I'm going to try and get out there and join you because uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm itching to get to a race this season. I've been in New Zealand for the last two months, but I'm going to try and get out to Long Beach. But just give us a comparison because it's a big calendar with Indy there and everything else. Um, so you're part of a, you know, a massive event. How much harder is Long Beach comparatively to Sebring? <clears throat> It is, it is very difficult. I mean, we, we show up on Friday um, with the first session at 7.50 in the morning, and you're basically going out on public roads, so there's no rubber on the track. It's a very green track, as we call it. So as as the day goes on, it's obviously you can get faster and faster as the rubber goes down, and obviously your setup's going to change to adjust to that grip level. So we practice at 7.50, and then we qualify that night at about 5 o'clock. So the track is going to be <laughs> completely different. different. Yeah. yeah. have... <laughs> All different types of rubber from World Challenge to IndyCar to Stadium Super Trucks. Um, then we'll qualify, and then the next day we race, and there'll be all sorts of different rubber again after IndyCar qualifying. So it's a, a tricky event where you're always adapting to different situations and you know trying to stay on top of things. So thankfully, we've been there a few times in the past to kind of rely on some experience, but every time you go there, there's something new. Hey, well, when you get here, you're going to have a big audience, and I'm sitting here looking at what's going on. So, this is uh, they're offering a Cadillac Corral this oh, here year at, here at Coda. Here at Coda, so uh, 139 bucks. That's your parking and lot A. Uh, lots of gimmies. Uh, definitely, you know, this is one of the coolest events out there. And you know, if you're under 12, you can get in free with a paid adult. Tickets start at $49 a day. If you're driving a Cadillac, like I said, go check out that special. And, uh, and, and maybe all kinds of good caddy goodies. Maybe the Taylor Brothers come out to the Cadillac Corral and hang out with the, all the CTFDs. Well, it could happen. We usually do go out there. <laughs> do you really? That's awesome. You know, and that's exactly what IMSA racing is, is about. It's yeah. all about. You know, get up close to the uh, to the machinery, to the to the drivers. I mean, it. That's one of the things that really makes it awesome. Yeah, it is. It is nice. I mean, most of our paddocks are completely open, and the fans can almost touch the cars and interact with the crews and, and come talk to the drivers. So it's a very family friendly atmosphere. 
All right. Well, Jordan Taylor, thank you so much for coming on Speed City. Congratulations on starting the season so amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. His to you. It's really Does incredible. Does he get a Speed City parking pass now? <laughs> He's here so frequently. Jordan, thanks so much for coming on the show again. We really appreciate it. Congrats all around, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. And congratulations also to his brother and Alex Lynn. Alex Lynn, uh, the whole team. You know, the, yep. It's a, I tell you what, driving with the Taylors is a real uh, opportunity for Alex Lynn. I've been watching his career. He's another guy that uh, was on the Toyota Racing he Series. He was. I was going to yeah, ask yeah. you that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, he's another guy that was going up that ladder uh, to single-seaters and, you know, didn't get the break. Is- oh, he's still in his mid-20s. Yeah. Um, and um, I think, you know, a bit like Pippo Durrani, I think this is a real opportunity for Alex to shine. And being with the, the Taylor family couldn't be any better. Yeah, well, I know we got the Mazda DPIs, and I know there's been lots of changes, but I, I, when they come to Austin, listening to the Cadillac, it's the V8 that's, Rumble. That's the hear. one that I really want. And, and if you can't make it, Circuit of the Americas, it's Saturday, uh, May 6th, and you can watch it on Fox Sports 1. So that's just, true. Just in, just hey, in Fox case. did great this weekend. Yeah, they did. They really did great. Yeah, they and, did. And Fox. Uh, in fact, actually, all of the weather tech stuff, so you can watch uh, the, 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 the next round, which is Long Beach. Yeah, and like I said, I'm I'm trying to get out there, guys. So yeah, I'll try and report back live. We'll go. Well, Les, I listened to I, I had the Fox Sports app going, and I was watching it. I mean, I I probably had it on a total of about six hours. I mean, some of that I was actually driving and just yeah. listening, and then some of it I was walking around. But it that's uh, that's a definite way to, to keep up with all that. All right. And on that same subject, congratulations to Corvette uh, beating Porsche right. GTLM. Good go- uh, run for Garcia and. Um, you know, there were some good stories throughout. Ford had a good run too, uh, and we also had some good stories locally. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna, wait. Yeah. Let's wait. Well, I want to wait till go. after the break because okay, all right. Yeah, we're going to tease this because this is this is really kind of a big shakeup in the classes. It in is. The, yeah. In the uh, in the IMSA Continental Tire Series because one of the cars is doing something it shouldn't supposedly so we're going to talk we're going to talk about that after the break listen to speed city live from austin back after these messages well i'm gonna write a little letter i'm gonna mail it to my local dj yeah it's a jumping little record i want my jockey to play roll over beethoven i gotta hear it again today you know my temperature right Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. The Racetrack. It's where legends are born, where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce Motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Hey, Austin, wake up and fly right on Talk 1370. This is Alex Gurney. This is Speed City. What movie does that song coming back remind you all of? Johnny Be Good. 
Back to the Future. Back to the Future. You remember you when it. he was he was playing the guitar? He was showing them the electric guitar. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back to Speed City. That's my your theme cousin song. Marvin. Yeah, your cousin Marvin. That's right. Hey, I want to. So I want to let Les talk about this story because one of our one of our sponsors, Jeff Mosing, uh, has been shaking up the Continental Tire Series a little bit. Yeah, uh, no rule infringement, nothing like that. Yeah, so in let, a good way. Yeah, yeah. But this is really, really interesting. So Jeff is running in the ST class with Eric Foss. And we've had those guys around for a while, watching them shake up that class already. But uh, here's the thing. So the Cayman GT4 is out there in the GS class. Different class. Shouldn't be mixing together. You know, there, there ought to be a performance gap between those guys. Well, here's the issue. Uh, Mr. Mosing and Mr. Foss have found a way to get their ST up there mixed amongst the GT4s. In fact, they took second against the GT4s That's in awesome. an ST class. That's pretty uh, impressive. And, and let's pause here because the, the GT4... I mean, that, that's a brand new cutting edge that should really be running away with the GS class. Yeah. And, and CJ Wilson, the yeah. a, I pulled the credit card out and bought it and was done. <laughs> yeah. That's what this car is that he's talking about. And it, you're right. It, this is the top of that class of car, GS. And yet here is uh, Jeff Mosing and Eric Foss up there, elbow to, elbows to elbows with those yeah. guys. And ST. Stands for street tuner. Yeah, I mean, so this is really you yeah, know exactly. a street car. It's to be a, uh, yeah, it's supposed to be a street guy. Yeah. yeah, don't you know the guys that you know Porsche Motorsport are kind of going hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, uh, that's a really cool story, and that's fun to watch. Uh, and I didn't, it is. I didn't get to see that. So it'll be. Uh, I think they'll be putting it back out on TV this week. So uh, be sure and stick around, check it out on that one. That's also on Fox, I believe. Yeah, well, we got a few more minutes, guys. I want to talk. I want to come back to Formula One. Okay. I mean, we're in just a few days in Australia, as as usual, starting the season, and and I want to ask you, Jonathan. I mean, we talked about we talked about Haas, we talked about uh, we talked about Mercedes, and but I want to come back to McLaren a little bit because, um, you know, you talked about the p- possibility of the Renault engine. I mean, what do you think is what are you predicting is going to happen with? With McLaren, I mean, I know that's a tough question. But. I, I, I honestly think, I mean, I, I'll, you know, they've gone through the the biggest change they've gone through in their fifty year history. Uh, I mean, funnily enough, they're coming out with a movie about Bruce McLaren. Uh, at yeah, the moment. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it's well worth watching because the story, having been in New Zealand for the last um, few months, you know, Bruce McLaren was from New Zealand, and that's where uh, it all began. Uh, and he was an innovator and an amazing driver, but also, uh, you know, one of the great uh, stalwarts of what is Formula One today. And McLaren's story is is a fantastic story, but of late. Uh, in the last two years, um, they've had a rotten time of it with Honda, which is ironic because uh, Honda were a fantastic partner for them back in the 90s, back when Senna and Prost both drove for McLaren and they won 15 out of 16 races. Um, that's, you know, in that period. Um, but, uh, you know, of late, as we all know, um, they have not performed. Honda are maybe winning the 500 and maybe winning in Indy and maybe winning in all sorts of different other things, but they ain't winning, and sadly, in Formula 1. And it's been a really tough story because they've got two fantastic drivers, um, and I think I, I'm sad to see Jensen go, um, not on a high. 
I've got a horrible feeling that uh, Fernando Alonso could go the same way um, unless things change around, and they really do need to change around. Uh, having said all that negative, I think <laughs> Zach Brown is now in charge. I think it is a new era. I think the colours and the, the fact that they've gone away from the MP4 kind of um, tradition. Zach's brought in a new, fresh feeling. He's an American. He's um, got a lot of history behind him in terms of his passion for both McLaren and Formula One. I think he's the right guy. Um, it's got to change, and it will. You know, I think uh, Stoffel Van Dorn being the new kid on the block yep. in here. That was my next uh, question. If he comes in and he is competing with Fernando Alonso in the same car and he's really competitive, I think the relationship between their placements and their points this season is going to going to cinch whether we see Fernando wearing McLaren colors next year. Yeah, I think if they're within two point two of each other every time, and you know, it, it it's it's you know, like you say, if he gets starts getting beaten just in qualifying, because if you've both got the same piece of car yeah. um, and it's not working very well, then the only way you can judge it is on each other. And if Fernando is not as quick, which I don't think that would be the case, but like you say, that'll be an interesting comparison. Um, but I do, like I said, I feel for Fernando Alonso because he is one of the, you know, there is no other sport in the world where your best quarterback, your best center forward, your best center, um, you know, in basketball would not be on the field. And that's really what we have in Formula One is that the best player has not got the right equipment. And that's just the way Formula One is. And it's the way motor racing is, you know, um, but uh, and he's had. Uh, at times, and that's why he's won, you know, two titles already. Well, I want to take you boys back in time because you remember back in 2012 when Coda first opened, uh-huh. and we used to dream, think, what could make Formula One better in the United States? We said we now have a permanent home. If we could just get an American team, okay, we got that. If we could just get an American driver, we had Alexander Rossi in and out. Well, now it's owned by an American company, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're we're. <laughs> We do need drivers, obviously, and we need some American drivers to step up. But what do you think about Formula One? What are you going to predict for for the growth of Formula One in the United States? I think it's really good. And I think um, I think Liberty are an interesting partner. And I say partner, uh, interesting evolve, uh, you know, evolvement of Formula One. Uh, going post Bernie, and I was reading an article today about how Bernie really isn't having anything to do with the the future now of Formula One, which is a shame because so much of what he's put in place uh, hangs on him. Uh, and I think they, sh- I wouldn't say they should rethink that, but the, I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of contracts out there. There's a lot of uh, time and effort um, been put into there. But this is an all new near era for Formula One, and as he put it, uh, there might be less uh, Michelin five star and a bit more hamburger in terms of i.e. opening it up because he was always quite you know um not elitist that's the wrong word but it was a very exclusive club formula one and i do think it does need to open up both physically and digitally um and what i mean by that is i think more people need to in this day and age you've you've got to show off your sport indy have done a really good job in the last year uh 350,000 people at, at the 500 last year including two 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 very happy guys me and, oh, me yeah. and les but um you know uh, they've got to do more um indy's on the up um therefore single seater motor racing in this country is on the up um, the single-seated talent is on the up here, um, and you only need to look at Indy's grid to see that. Uh, Rossi's doing what he's doing. There are people like Santino Ferrucci coming through uh, in Formula One. Haas is here. So, yeah, I think it actually bodes really well. And I think that, um, you know, um, as live sport goes, motor racing still has a lot of ways of 
punching above its weight in terms of just pure and utter adrenaline. I mean, you know, if NASCAR's still making it, which it did again today at Phoenix, um, there's no reason why you can't get people behind a, a sport that has cars going 230 miles an hour. All righty, uh, so... Kevin Magnuson, what's he going to bring to Haas? <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I mean, uh, it's yeah. a big. I'll Certainly, tell you we what, hope everything. I'll tell you what. You, you're talking about a report card. I tell you, it's make or break for him. It really That's is true. in his career. You, mean. it's make or break yeah. for him because a lot of people and and Denmark especially have been critical that he's got another chance. Um, so um, huh. I think he really needs to step up. Um, I mean, I think he's got a lot of talent. And remember when he first came in, everybody was like, "Oh, this is the next Raikkonen," uh, and you know, and the next Verstappen if before he'd been born type thing. But yeah. I mean, he really did, you know, come in like, okay, he's going for McLaren. He's going to do a couple of years underneath you know, at McLaren, and then suddenly he's going to be the blue-eyed boy, and it didn't happen, and he's bounced around a little, uh, and this is definitely a massive year um, in what will be a very pressureful situation, year two for the Haas team, and they All won't right. be messing about. All right, we're, we got to cut it off. I wanted to ask you about Lance Stroll, but wait, one more thing, Jonathan. we got 30 seconds. 30 seconds, Lance Stroll. I think he's going to struggle. But don't forget, come to Coda, 28th and 29th. Oh, that's right, for the Motor America for Test. For the Motor America Test. It's free. All right, we're going to go. Talk to you next week. Ciao, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.